0: When, you're, when you have a, a family member in prison or you're so connected to something that horrific that happened that someone is incarcerated because of that thing that they either did to you or your family or your friend or whatever, your school, what have you, it's almost in a lot of ways when you're processing your trauma that you're in prison with them too, but in a different way. And I go back to this, this feeling of my father, you know, his, um, you know, his inevitable mortality, just like all of us have a mortality and how I will process that once it happens. And it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey Movers, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Moving Past Trauma. Now that we're at Moving Past Trauma instead of Moving Past Murder, I am your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? Happy Friday, March 17th, and it is St. Patrick's Day, and for those of you that are joining me on YouTube, uh, you guys get to see, I have this little green, uh, little bear with a green sweater and scarf and little hat with a shamrock on it, and the reason why I have this is not only because it's St. Patrick's Day, but this was my mother's, and my mother would always either pin this to her, clip this to her lapel, on her dress or whatever, or on her handbag on St. Patrick's Day. So it's kind of followed me around over the years. I have these little, these little knickknacks that kind of live with me that are from my mom. And it's, it's kind of cool. Like I have a canvas bag of hers. I have some of her purses. I have, um, I just have these random little things. I have these little tumbling gnomes that I got uh, for Christmas one year that I had keeping my draw that they're, they're very cute anyways. But I have this little green, you know, this little guy and this little bear. I did a funny video with him earlier and his head popped off, which was kind of funny. But uh, he's, he's seen better days for sure, but he's still here. And, um, and he's here with me and so is my mom. And for those of you who don't know, uh, and why would you? My mother was half German and half Irish, and my father is Italian and Irish. So therefore I am half Irish myself. So happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> uh, It has been an interesting week um, for myself. It's been an interesting week in the world. And uh, let's talk about a few things. So one of the things that I want to confess to you guys is there's something that I've been avoiding and I'm someone who doesn't really procrastinate or avoid things in their lives. But one of the things I was avoiding is on my birthday a couple of weeks ago, I got a letter from my father. And I got it on email. I got it through this JPay app, which I actually reinstalled on my phone not too long ago. And a little ding popped up, and it said, "You have a message." For those of you that are not familiar, JPay is an app that the prison systems use to send emails, and I think you can now send videograms and video cards and things. Uh, it's an interesting way to communicate, obviously, because you know everybody uses email now, and the prison system has finally caught up. Well, I mean, it's been around for like ten years, but. Anyways, I got an email from him. I have always given him stamps to contact me. And I was avoiding opening this email, but I'm going to do it right now. So I'm going to go to my app and it says John Boyle Jr. And is from February 26th at 7.22 p.m. It says, happy birthday bumper, dot, 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 blessings. That's it. That's it. That's so wild. Oh, hold on. There's also a card that has popped up as well. That's a cute little birthday card. It says, Wishing you an awesome, spectacular, amazing day. Happy birthday. Very interesting. And this is, you know, this is one of those lingering effects of trauma, right? And I understand that a lot of you guys listen to my story and you wonder how I could even communicate with my father and why I did for so long. You know, it's still my father. (laughs) Uh, And when that, letter that email came in it got me really really anxious and I, I had to just kind of take a moment and i took a moment for 2 weeks i don't know why we avoid these things when dealing with trauma you know i'm just a guy who's been through a lot of it and it and it it does it gives me this anxiety and i'd love to know what you guys think about this in the comments i'd love to hear but i i you know I, I have been really, really good about my anxiety lately, but when this came up, I think a flood of emotions. And I think that one of the things that I realize that I think about a lot and why I avoid emails is getting that email that might say, or that message that says, um, your father has passed away in prison or he's really sick or he's terminally ill or, or things of that nature. And I've been thinking about that a lot more lately. And I don't know why, but I, it could be part of just old age setting in and you start to think about your own mortality. So therefore you're thinking about the mortality of others. I think a lot of it for me is I'm trying to always figure out like, wh- what would I do in that situation? And how would I feel? And I think, I think as I sort of unpack all of this, I don't know how prepared I am for it. I know it's going to happen. I hope my father lives a long life, mostly for the fact that I, because that's my genetics that's my gene pool right there he's my genetic petri dish so if he has if he can live a somewhat healthy and normal life in prison and and live long i'm doing okay at least (laughs) but i it's one of those things that those thoughts just plagues my mind so often and i you know i wonder for a lot of you in the audience you guys have been through through trauma of some sort And I know a lot of you that reach out to me are are still getting a process on that, but I'm wondering if that, if what I'm feeling is natural, that even though it's somebody who's so horrific in your life, you still have this connection with. And I think a lot of moving past all of this is recognizing that for me that I have to go, I accept the fact that this is my father and that I'm going to have to be prepared for his mortality someday. And he'll be 80 years old this year. Uh, in a couple of months, and it, it, it's something that's, that's going to happen, whether I like it or not. And how I'm going to feel about that and, and how that's going to process it. I think when I think about this as a whole, I think I'm going to feel really sad for just a multitude of reasons. And I remember somebody wrote, uh, wrote me, you know, and I had done an episode about his birthday and him being in prison. And they said, well, you know, he should die or whatever. And I mean, I understand the sentiment. People get angry and people are angry for me that I had to deal with the things I had to deal with in my life. But it's still my father. And that's a really hard thing to process of someone who is very potentially going to die in prison. And how avoidable dying in prison would have been for him. And you know, I think you see a lot in social media and people talking about, you know, for example, well, let's just talk about this. For example, the are our, <laughs> our recent favorite piece of true crime fodder. You look at the case of Alex Murdaugh and his family. And I, I've spoken before about the intergenerational trauma involved with this. And you see not only this, this legacy of of shame, which I feel that they carry, And shame for all the actions that they've done. And it just compounds and compounds and compounds. And you throw in the opioid addiction, the really just predatory behavior of him towards his clients and stealing all the money. I mean, when you think about it, and I was listening to a podcaster talk about this uh, earlier this week, they were not into true crime, but they were discussing the case. And did you hear about this? Oh yeah, man, I heard about this and two comedians. I won't mention the podcast, but they were, they were really trying to wrap their head around it. And they, and they were, I feel like the, everyone can relate to this power and this corruption and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And how Alex Murdoch could go on the witness stand and even say something, be so into thinking he is so much smarter than everyone else that he thinks that he can go up on the witness stand and say, Yes, I lied about being at the kennels at the same time uh, that the murders occurred. I lied, lied to police about that. I lied to my clients and stole all of their money. But here I am on the witness stand admitting that I stole all this money. So believe me that I'm a good person. And I'm telling you the truth now when I tell you that I didn't kill my wife and my son. And I think when you look at it from an outsider's perspective, you kind of go the absolute 100% narcissism and sociopathy that is involved behind that way of thinking, thinking that you are so much smarter than everyone else in the room. And it never ceases to amaze me. And so I think about getting these letters from my father. I think about this relationship that I've had with my father for decades, right? And I think back to his actions and I think back to his actions in the courtroom of, this telling this story about how my mother got into they got into an argument. She threw her purse. She got into a car without a coat, waiting at the end of the driveway and just left her family, left her son and her daughter, and you know just left. And the absolute, the, the absolute insanity surrounding a story of like that that you would that you would think that someone would believe that. And he got on the witness stand and testified just like Alec Murdoch did, and that's my father. And. That, those decades of lies before that, because look, he, you know, I had come to find out he had cheated on my mother ever since they, they were together, even before they were married. He had multiple, multiple affairs during their marriage, which I found out again later, and I've talked about this before. I'll get into more of it again on the podcast, I'm sure. The, the layers and layers and layers of deception is so, it, it's so interesting and also so sad because it's interesting that someone could think that they can get away with something so outrageous and so outlandish. And it's it's sad because they thought that they could get away with something that is so outrageous and so outlandish. It's a really weird dichotomy. And as I'm processing that, as my father, who is sitting in prison for something that was very avoidable, and I get these letters, and then I think about, there was the recent uh, articles in the news about Buster Murdaugh and his girlfriend being harassed by these journalists uh, on their in their apartment or condo on in, on Hilton Head Island. Look, I don't care what you know. I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, Buster's next." And I saw the thing and people yelling. Like, I saw the guy in the courtroom; he was almost comatose. I even remember reading something to the fact that he didn't remember his father's birthday on the witness stand or something. I'm not 100 sure about that, but. Yeah, you're on the witness stand. It's super scary. And your dad's on trial for murdering both your mother and your younger brother. But I think about what his relationship will then be with his father. He will get letters like I get that will tell stories. And I saw it. And this is what interested me in the first place in this Murdoch documentary, in this this Murdoch case, was seeing that documentary, Low Country, the Murdoch Dynasty on HBO. And I just remember the the phone conversation he was having with his dad at the very end of the film, or not the film, but it's a docu series, so the third part. At the very end, his dad is asking him about like going in and drink. Uh, oh, you guys had a good time last night because he wanted to talk to his girlfriend, and and the girlfriend was like, she's he said, uh, you know, she's going to bed. She we, we were out late last night. Oh, did you guys do some drinking, partying, and and he started into this whole thing of. You know, remember when mom would get buzzed up, and you know she couldn't hold your liquor at all. Her liquor at all, your mother, and oh, remember when mom would get buzz, buzzed up, and he's just literally, yeah, like you could hear over the phone trying to process all of that. And I have been doing this my entire life, and so I don't even know what to what to look what to think about this message. What blessings, like nothing, but. Here's my advice to you, Buster Murdoch, whether somebody tells you this or not. You have to go your own way. <laughs> you have to understand exactly what it is, who it is and what it is you're dealing with. A person who's a psychopath, or, and I don't want to get, I'm not a clinician, I, I'm not a doctor. But the similarities in Alec Murdoch's testimony to my father's and the behavior is so so eerily similar. On this particular podcast, they're discussing about how there are just people in this world that go around just thinking that they can do whatever the hell they want to whomever they want. And that is an astonishing, like absolutely astonishing thing to have to process. I think you have to come at it with a disconnect while trying to maintain that connection because you know this guy's 26 years old I think 27 I don't I don't know how old and this is going to be going on for decades probably and he's going to have to process all this and the process of forgiveness the process of I, I don't know if he goes into any sort of thing that he blames himself. I don't know what this man's process will will be if he's he's into that. You can't control the behaviors of other people, especially when you are dealing with other people who are predatory, who are predatory on others, the vulnerabilities of people who are injured in a case. And hey, I'm gonna get you money. and, And a lot of these people said, I trusted him implicitly. It's a very, It is a very slippery, eerie slope. You know, I'm really very curious, though. I really, you know, now, because now I've opened up, I've scratched the itch. I'm curious to see what one of these other letters say. I'm going to put on my glasses here. I'm going to go show older letters. Let's go back to December 2021. Bumper. Well, Yogi Berra was correct. It's deja vu all over again at MCI. We currently have seven housing housing units and the camp on quarantine lockdown. I do not know the percentage of men who have been vaccinated, but obviously it is not enough to satisfy some level of immunity needed at MCI. I trust you've had the opportunity and good sense to get your vaccine shots. Amen. This week in the faith-based dorm, we had three members become ill and sent off to the hospital with pneumonia. They are still there as of this writing. I think this is just an incidental happenstance and not related to anything other than the weakened immunity of these men. Prayerfully, they will recover with their health. I am hoping both men do not plunge into a state of mental depression and deep loneliness. It is very easy, especially when sick, to plunge into a state of mental despair that can threaten one's very faith. It is for these reasons that Jesus himself reached out in a special way during his life on earth to the sick and the infirm. The gospel is filled with stories of Jesus's ministry to the sick. Oh my goodness. Okay. I pray daily that you find peace and the love of Christ in your life. Perhaps it may sound trivial to you, but it is an important part of your life that I hope you will strive to obtain. Please allow me to help you. Isaiah nine, six. We'll close for the moment. Stay safe and alert. Always love and miss you pops. Wow. That was December 7th, 2021 talking about the despair, the mental despair of the men in the dormitory at the prison and all of that. I mean, prison is a very lonely and sad place to be. and uh, yeah, the incarceration being incarcerated is not a is not a fun thing as one would not expect it to be a fun thing. The toll that it takes, you know, I remember talking to somebody, not too long ago. And I said, when, you're, when you have a, a family member in prison, or you're so connected to something that horrific that happened that someone is incarcerated because of that thing that they either did to you or your family or your friend or whatever, your school, what have you. It's almost in a lot of ways when you're processing your trauma that you're in prison with them too, but in a different way. And I go back to this, this feeling of my father, you know, his, um, you know, his inevitable mortality, just like all of us have a mortality and how I will process that once it happens, because does that mean I'm no longer in prison with him? I don't know how that, how that shakes out. It's something I'm definitely thinking about a lot. So I get a little nervous when I see... A letter. (laughs) Yeah. I get a little nervous about that. I don't, because you you still, I think about this a lot with, and I was just having a conversation with someone the other day discussing children who, because I have a friend who is, uh, her father was a serial killer. I actually have a couple people that I know in that situation, which is absolutely horrific. But They went through their lives, obviously not knowing that this person did this, right? They didn't know that their father was this horrible killer and did this to to innocent victims. The shame that they encounter or, or just the processing of that was my dad that took me to baseball games and, and helped me with my homework and put presents under the tree. And now they're saying that this is this monster. And imagine what kind of a rug pull that has to be for these people. And I was discussing, again, these scenarios of how do you con- connect or disconnect from that? And for one of, the, for one of my friends is she understands where, where he is and who he is and what to be expected of him. And therefore, she can compartmentalize that. And there was, she was discussing, uh, she got married and he had found a photograph of it. I don't even think she sent the photo. He got his hands on the photo and he messaged her and said, you look fat in your dress. Like a controlling, abusive father. Now, granted, he hadn't necessarily, you know, murdered her mother. (laughs) But he had impacted her life and the lives of other people around her. Which is the toughest part is seeing the impact that the, these people's destruction, because again, I've talked about this a lot, and I still do, is the consequences of violence, the trauma that it causes, the repercussions in communities with you know ancillary victims, secondary victims, the non-combat PTSD that people go through of just living in these neighborhoods or communities where these crimes took place And having to process all of that, it's not like, and this was a lot of my journey was trying to process this, like, why don't people really understand this? Why don't people really get that this is really tough stuff? This is really tough to just, okay, let's reset and go back to normal. Because you never really reset and go back to normal, no matter who you are. You just do your best to work your way through it. So again, I don't know. I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. There's a little bit of anger at myself for feeling emotional about it. There's a little bit of frustration that I feel vulnerable because of it. There's also a side of me that's at peace with it because I've done everything I can to relate to my father and to support my father in ways that I don't think anyone in the right mind would have done, mind you, to still always turn over a new leaf. And look, again, this is really tough stuff to deal with. And it's easier said than done. But honestly, at the end of the day, if I have any message for anyone that's going through anything like this, you just have to find a way to move on. You have to find a way to move past the trauma and not let it affect you because the world is a really amazing and beautiful place. And if you can open yourselves up to the relationships, if you can go like, hey, look, man, this is not me. It took me so long to realize that I'm not my father. And then I'm never going to be that person, that man. I'm never going to be an individual like that, that wantonly hurts and inflicts pain on others for the sheer, the sheer selfishness of all of it, the solipsistic, the narcissistic abuse of everyone, the decimation of everything around them. I don't have that in me, but it took so long to realize that. Even confronting my father face to face, like I still thought, wait, do, am I, am I, is this something that I could do? No, because society is going to tell you that society is going to reach out and say, Oh, well, you're going to have to, yeah, you're going to, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. is something that I've heard my whole life growing up. And it's just simply not true. It's simply not true. You can actually very solidly make a choice to say enough is enough. I'm going to change the course of this narrative. So anyways, I don't know. I guess I'm always going to feel like, I don't know. I guess I'm just always going to ponder. Will I always feel like part of that connection to my father is while he's in prison, I guess the thing that I want to leave you guys with is for me, I'm wondering if I'll ever get out of this sort of cycle in my head of potentially, does it end when my father's life ends? Does all that stop? Because I don't think it does. And I think that's the really harsh reality of all this. You've got to do your own work. You've got to put everything in. And that's what makes you who you are and not them. I'm Collier Landry and this is moving past trauma. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. Film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio.